done many podcasts? I can't remember. I have not. You, have you done any? No. Wow. It's just like your virgin podcast experience. It's super exciting. Well, I used to do uh, radio in my career in college before I graduated and had to go work. I did radio news. So I feel like I'm reliving my college days a little bit <laughs> by doing this. So if I get to have like a flashback or something, I'll let you know in the middle. <laughs> I like it. Hello and welcome to Make It, Move It, Sell It. On this podcast, I talk with company leaders about how they're modernizing the business of making, moving, and selling products, and of course, having fun along the way. I'm your host, Adam Honig, the CEO of Spiro.ai. We make amazing AI software for companies in the supply chain, but we are not talking about that today. Instead, we have the CEO of Ceramic Pro. My friend Brett Benino is joining me to talk about the benefits and the challenges of selling through distribution. Brett, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hey, um, you know, I know a lot of people know Ceramic Pro for the coatings on their cars and so on, but maybe you could just tell everybody a little bit about the company. Yeah, so Ceramic Pro, uh, it has been known for the coatings we have, ceramic coatings, and we've grown our um, product offering to be paint protection film and window film, all using our ceramic coating technology or our ceramic nanoceramic technology. Uh, we supply products in North America to about 5,000 different installers. We've grown to be more than a product company. We've grown a lot more to be a business solution. So we're looking to uh, support them on all things business, from training their employees to leads to marketing all the way through the process. And when you say that, you're really talking about the installers. So you're like you're in the business of supporting the people who ultimately sell your product. Exactly. So we support the installers. Our, our mindset has always been for a professional-only coding or professional-only products. So we do not sell, uh, besides some aftercare small things, to the general public. Our products only go to professional installers who get certified through us. And I'm sorry that I, I don't know this. Why do people need to coat their cars? I know that's such a dumb question. Maybe it's like a Southern California thing, not a New England thing. But why do people do that? The history of ceramic coatings or where they came from is you had waxes, to protect your car for years and years and years. Like turtle wax when we were growing up. So you have turtle wax and you have that stuff that existed forever. And then the next generation was sealants. And you remember Teflon sealants that came out and people were all using a sealant on their car. And that's what was offered for a while. Um, and then uh, what they came up with was this nanoceramic coating that leaves glass on your car. And so the idea is that you're trying to protect your car from the staining or discoloration and things that happen. And ceramic coatings and nanoceramic technology fills the pores of the surface with tiny little nanoparticles and tiny particles and makes a new surface that is glass that's a sacrificial layer, but also a lot less porous. So it's hydrophobic. It's self-cleaning. Your car just through rain will just basically clean itself. You don't have to scrub your car or use a clay bar anymore to remove the contaminants. You can just go out there and pressure wash it and hand wash it, and it looks like new all the time. So it's kind of like an iPhone case. Like, I don't know why you have to buy a case when you buy the phone. Like, why don't they just do the case in the phone to begin with? But it's a little bit like that. It's like, it's like an iPhone case for your car. Interesting enough. The iPhone itself, if you go right now and you go on Apple and you look at what the iPhone has, they talk about on your their phone 9H scratch resistance, which is like our product is 9H. That is our flagship oh, wow. product. We made that term somewhat famous. It's a ASTM uh, standard of testing for a pencil test. A 9H pencil gets dragged across the surface. Does it scratch the surface? 
and our coating it makes the surface so that a 9H pencil does not scratch the surface. And so we named our product 9H, and now it's changed the terminology within all coatings to be that. But even the technology that makes your iPhone waterproof is the same type of nanoceramic coatings. It makes your iPhone waterproof now. So that same technology is used on the inside of your iPhone and on the screen to make it more protected or more scratch resistant. But you still need a case. For some reason, even with all that nanotechnology protection. You don't need a case because <laughs> my kids throw it across the room when they're mad and dented or something. And so it's about the corners. It's not about the front or the back. It's the corner impact, I think, is why you need a case. Yeah, I'm, I, I got you. I've dropped it. I know what you mean. And, you know, it's nanotechnology. So I imagine it requires a certain level of sophistication to be able to use it. Is that why? Yeah, they're not easy. So uh, we, they come with high solid contents in our coatings. So if you do make a mistake on something, it is semi-permanent or permanent. And the only way to remove it is to abrade it or to polish it off on the coatings. And on the paint protection film, the adhesive that you use, the clear bra, it works well as forgiving when you're putting it on there, but also if you try to remove it too quickly or move it around, you can damage paint and window film. It's all, all has adhesive and things like that. And, and if you just don't do it properly, you can damage the thing, same thing you're trying to protect can get damaged from improper installation. Yeah, definitely not the kind of thing I should do myself. I'm terrible at things like that. I, you know, I have to have somebody come over to like saw a board for me kind of thing. So definitely don't want to be putting nanotechnology on my car. Yeah, exactly. It's a definitely, uh, it's worth the price to have it done professionally. And then it comes with, most of our products come with some sort of warranty term, depending on the product it is, up to a lifetime warranty on our coatings. Cool. Now, I know, you know, everybody's been talking about challenges in the supply chain, right? Getting materials, distributing product. How's that been going for you guys? I can't say it was going well. It's been bad, to, in fact, but we were in a position, we put ourselves in a position to succeed with it. But supply chain has changed everything uh, to take maybe 10 times or five times as long and cost 10 times as much to get here. We used to ship a lot of our products via uh boat and now I have to ship everything via air or have the cash flow to make sure that I can I have six months to wait until it gets here. And it has been extremely frustrating to have a lot of money sitting in different ports and just sitting offshore and then being low on products to be able to supply to these professionals that build their business on our products and we can't get it to them. But I know that there's a container off Los Angeles and a container in New York and we got some that landed via air, but it's stuck in Ohio. They want our products. I want them and I've got to figure out how to get to them. Wow. So so you're, you're backed up six months with inventory. Is that what I'm hearing? So what happened is we could get by with about took a month or two of inventory, we had to basically take all of our cash flow and run really, really lean and put it all into inventory. So our inventory now, I have about a six month supply of everything sitting in our warehouse, which in current economic times, then now, like on the flip side of it, it still becomes a worry, even more worrisome, possibly going to some sort of recession. But I can't take the inventory down because I can't get it back. Right. So you're, you've got to build up the inventory to supply the demand. And then you're worried, like, what happens if the demand slows down? What am I going to do with this inventory? Yes. Have you seen much uh, demand side slowdown, though? Or is the demand side still pretty strong? The demand side's really, really strong. It's only restricted maybe by uh, new car deliveries. But those are coming back up right now. Um, new vehicle deliveries. 
Whereas the demand, as uh, the situation hit in 2020, everyone pulled back for a second, invested in, oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to spend it on my home. And the next thing they went to is what's your most next valuable possession, either your car, your boat, your plane, something else like that. And so uh, we actually saw a pretty large boom in that. And we've been able to ride that going through this and everyone's seen growth. Um, We've seen really good growth through this. We've hired, we've expanded. It's just the unknown creates some apprehension. But at the same time, there was a lot of industries that got hit so hard that they had to close down and we grew through that. So it feels like uh, we're in, a, in an industry supplying, protecting more high-end possessions and through professionals, the consumer's demand is already there. They want a professional service installed. Our clientele seems to be a little bit different than some of the industries that got hit hard. Right, right. And do you feel like, you know, because it's harder to get cars, they really want to protect them more and keep them longer? Is this a trend that you're seeing? 100%. What's, it's not just to protect them and keep them longer. That is one huge part of it. The other thing is that people are not as impulsive as in buying a vehicle anymore. You order it and you wait six months, three months, sometimes over a year to receive your vehicle. And all you're doing is thinking of like you have other things you're doing, but then you start thinking about the vehicle and then you get on a forum or you get on some sort of group and you look up what people are doing to that vehicle and you get into an enthusiast group. And then everyone says, I'm going to put a ceramic coating on there, clear bra, I'm going to do this tint. I'm going to do all these different uh, aftermarket accessories. And so when their vehicle delivers, they've already lined up $20,000 worth of stuff they want to do to it right away. It's Nissans and Kias, and it's not just high-end vehicles that you're waiting for. It's everything. So everyone's trying to customize their vehicle by the time it delivers. Gotcha. So there's something about the anticipation of it that makes people a little bit more connected to the post-purchase process. That's fascinating. And it's, it, it exposed itself even more with the Tesla model. Our, our number one vehicle that goes through all of our shops nationwide, our Teslas, and now it's hitting the Rivian and those. And that uh, the consumer that's purchasing these electronic via or electric vehicles is someone that has done a bunch of research. They're looking at all the things. They're a lot of times more connected to all those things with the people that get probably the new iPhone every time. Those customers are really in tune with all the stuff that they want to do. That customer experience, that educated customer that's educated themselves online about a vehicle instead of just going to a dealership is the one that wants to have their vehicle protected. Gotcha. Now, now your, you know, your distributors, the installers, I mean, in a sense, they kind of compete with the dealers as well, right? Because the dealers have offerings. Yes. But this process of maybe losing some trust with the dealers, does that open up the door for your distributors a little bit more? Two things open that up a little bit too. It's um, one uh, being that the dealers, when the vehicle gets delivered, they used to have it on the lot and they could apply stuff at the lot, uh, the dealership lot, and then they could sell it off afterwards. But what we have now is the vehicle delivers and then the customer gets it right away. Then they go to uh, another specialist. The other thing is that the dealers, the automotive dealers, they're going two ways. They're just focusing on the vehicle and not really throwing a lot of accessories anymore because of that process. Or a lot of them are partnering. We supply our products to dealerships. So we have some dealerships that are either 
going direct to us or going through our installers. A lot of our installers work hand in hand with the dealership to offer the services because the dealership doesn't have the manpower to do it, but wants to make a little bit of margin on upselling it to their customers. Gotcha. And how many how many installers slash distributors are you working with at this point? We have about 5,000 in North America. We are uh, focused more on a, a model where we have these elite dealers And these are ones that are exclusive on all of our products. We're taking the U.S. and dividing it up into 750 territories. And we got about 150 of them in the pipeline with about 85 signed contracts. And we're moving to support them because these are the larger business owners that are uh, really running a a well-oiled machine. And they can use our uh, all of our marketing, our business support all the support, our our technology support that we offer as well. I want to talk about that, but I want to get back to that in just a second. So, you know, you've essentially segmented your distributors into top tier and kind of everybody else. Was that a hard decision to do? How did you get to that decision? So to get there, it took a little while. The recommendation I would have or the path we took to it was a little bit long and winding um, because... We only tried to find the biggest fish and the biggest installers and the biggest guys. It would have taken us a long time because we've had a philosophy. We don't advertise or market to our actual client. We don't market to the installer. We market to the end consumer. So we've tried to create the demand first. By doing that, we had to have a lot of installers throughout uh, to supply that. Now, what that's enabled us to do is find the biggest ones and find the top 5% or the top 10% of installers because it's hard to tell online who the biggest guy is. It's hard to tell even from their shop. And, and by having a lot of them come in, we can tell who the serious business owner is, who's working on their business instead of in their business. By finding those, I would have loved to say that we could have just found the top shops in North America and only sold to them. But it was by bringing everyone in and bringing a lot of guys in, we built the brand up. And then now we can really focus on the ones that are running exclusively. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you you generated the demand for the installers and then you got to essentially test them out and see how they did with the demand too and servicing the customers and then did the segmentation. I think that's a really smart approach to it. I I think this model that you have is really unique too, where you're not just like, uh, hey, I build this product. Distributors are going to do whatever they want with it and sell it. Instead, you're really helping them run their own businesses. 100%. We've taken that approach from day one. Uh, We even got made fun of for being a marketing company. And I believe that we've always had the belief that the biggest companies in the world, uh, Red Bull, Coca-Cola, and all of that, like their focus is on marketing. Uh, Red Bull has such a hold on marketing that they've had a million energy drinks come after them. They're solid. They're, I mean, no, I wouldn't know what market share they have, but from my knowledge of online, just what I see them, Red Bull owns it because they've put so much into marketing. Everyone in the world knows what Red Bull is, everybody, because they've marketed so heavily. And so that aspect of it is what we focused on and then giving them the tools to get it uh, accomplished and do all the, to make sure their product goes on right and it's installed right and it's sold right and everything else giving them the tools after we create the demand um, has been essential for, for the growth. And we see too many of our, our competitors, they're just uh, selling a, a product. They're just a product manufacturer, a product distributor, and they rely on their clients to market for them. 
instead of us marketing as a manufacturing level marketing for them. Right. So your distributor, before they were doing work with you, I mean, they had a business, they were servicing cars, they were doing whatever kind of auto business they were in. And so this is something they could do or not do. And by generating the demand for them, you're kind of giving them, you're overcoming that resistance to doing something different. 100%. And, and we can do it. Um, now we've even just tested a new uh, a new package we released called Ultimate Armor, and it's combining our products together. It's our paint protection film with our coating, and we make all these marketing videos, and we have a huge database of emails and things we've collected off generating these leads and these inquiries over the years. And when we actually launch something, the installers get the, I want that ultimate armor. I want that ultimate armor. They have thousands of inquiries right now for ultimate armor because we have that reach already. We want them to sell on every car coatings in our clear bra because it's a more product usage. It's a better product. It's a better whole thing. We, the customer, it's what I have on my own car. You want clear bra on the front? coating on the back and you don't need to put clear on the whole car you do this we package it together as ultimate armor for your car we push that message out all the customers come in asking for ultimate armor and even the guys that weren't paying attention to all of our meetings saying hey this is what ultimate armor is this is what ultimate armor is you should sell ultimate armor now the customer comes in and says i want ultimate armor and they're like hey, okay guys i'm selling ultimate armor i didn't even uh, i wasn't really paying attention what is it and so we can create the demand that forces our installers to sell something, which actually makes them, I'm not forcing them to something that doesn't sell well. It's a really high ticket service that the installers make a lot of money off of or make good money and the client's very happy. It sounds like they almost don't even have to sell it. Like people are coming in and they're saying, I want this, please help me get this. That's the best kind of sale, right? That's what you want in, as a manufacturer is you create the demand and then our installers don't have to sell that much. Now we're we're talking about creating demand. You mentioned Red Bull, but I think there's something that you guys do, which is really unique and different, which it's not just like you're you know, running advertisements and people are aware of the product. You're actually generating leads and sending it to the installers, being like, hey, these people are raised their hand and they're interested. Uh, a long time ago, we we saw some of the uh, a hole in the system as we were doing the marketing. People would inquire with us through our website and we needed to get those leads out to installers as quickly as possible. And so we created a whole system from the ground up to be able to have that lead come in and then go out and get assigned out to the installers. Now we're generating, let's say, 10 to 15,000 leads a month are coming through to just the U.S. alone. And those go out and they get paired with the local installer. And so that they have that warm lead that's already seen our video, been to our website, and is educated, and then they just need to take it to a sale and we're even working on um, that sales process. We got it all the way to the lead says, hey, raise their hand. I want this installed. Now we need to support them on like what emails and text and how the sales should process should look because uh, they're busy. A lot of the, our clients, they're really good with their hands. They're very good with installing and using products. Where they may fall short on is the outbound sales process. They're really good in front of people, but it's hard. That outbound sales process isn't easy. You've got to text, call, email, stay on top of it to get it closed and into your facility. So, A lot of manufacturers who distribute leads to their distributors, sometimes they have trouble telling what happened with those leads. Is that kind of a challenge that you guys deal with? It had been a challenge for a long time. So we had what we called our lead and warranty system and the leads would go out and we wouldn't know what they got converted into. So it was a huge challenge and, and the closing rates and what the average ticket 
that it got closed for. That's where we kind of got involved and built a thing that we call shop manager. And that is to see the lead all the way through the quoting stage and invoicing stage, all the way through getting the service completed all the way to collecting the money. And then what we're able to do with that is now see through that data, data is king. I can actually see what they convert to and I can see that this many leads came in in this campaign and it has this many work orders or opportunities created. And then this is the amount collected that got closed. And now I have full transparency for those shops that are using the full system into that, we had known, because we have four proof of concept stores that we own, one in San Diego, one in North County, San Diego, a town called Carlsbad, one in uh, Las Vegas, and one in Houston. And we always knew our own closing rates and the activities it took to close them, but it was hard to get that out there. Now it's just black and white. We can start showing that data that it takes and say like, okay, these vehicles, these this lead campaign comes in whether that's coming from Google uh, AdWords or Facebook, because we run a lot of ads, it turns into this. And um, we even use that on the other side to see Facebook ads or when we go to an event to find installers, because we we don't do that many ads for installers, but we do go to uh, SEMA, which is a huge car show in Vegas. And I can see how many people came in from that lead source and what we converted it into. That data helps us change our ad strategy and our marketing to get better return on that investment. And that clarity is what a lot of our shops don't have. And I think a lot of businesses don't have. They throw marketing dollars out at something and they cross their fingers and hope that sales go up. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I was talking with a distributor of building products the other day, you know, and they send out leads to, you know, all of their distributors and they were like, we have no idea what happens to those leads. Did they even call them? Did they even follow up? And they have no way of even finding out. You know, I think the strategy that you've got, which is creating the demand, distributing the leads, you know, and then knowing what happens to them, that's like the trifecta. Yeah, 100%. It gives us the data. I think the hardest thing as a distributor who generates leads and distributor that builds demand for their products within certain industries, the cold outreach, even though it's a warm lead, but the that sales process, say it's a building manufacturer, it's a contractor, is used to selling to someone that's in his office or out at a site, and that person's already sold. They're already there. The process of getting that lead in and then calling, emailing, texting, chasing it down, doing the activities it takes to close it is not followed. And so the feedback as a distributor we would get is the leads are terrible. And I know because we're getting the same ones in our shop that they're not, but I also know that it took five emails, six phone calls and 10 texts to get the person to even come down to the shop so that we could sell them. That data, trying to show that to people and say like, you tell us that they are not good, but you texted him once. Do you expect them to just give you money? Like, it, Right, uh, right. People are busy, man. You got to call them at least 10 times. Yeah. Come on, let's go. You got to keep on getting after it. Exactly. I mean, you're doing these people a service. They raised their hand. They said, hey, I need to protect my car. They don't have time to sit around and think about it. You got to help them with that. 100%. The A to Z process, getting farther down, doing as much as we can to get it all the way out. And, and we're, get, we're at that sales stage. And uh, some of the things that we keep on coming back to is that like, If I could just put an ad out and run an ad on Facebook and someone just book it and spend $4,000 on their car just by clicking at a button, we wouldn't need independent shops. I could just have it all sell and go through it and get it closed. But we have four of our own. I know it doesn't happen. 
We're not speaking from something that's like not our own experience. That's the reason why we have the four stores. It's not because we want to own them. We want to be able to say, hey, we're in Houston. We're in Vegas. Yeah, we don't have a, a store in the Northeast, but we know how the sales process is. Here's what it is. And firsthand, if you're not doing these steps, you're not going to close them. Well, what do, you, what do you see coming up next, Brett? Is it more distributors? Is it getting deeper with the ones that you have? Where do you see this going? The elite dealer program that we have is just getting deeper with the big ones we have. The idea is that we are um, creating territories and creating programs and products exclusively for them. And what we want is to run with the people that are running with us. Uh, you can't drag people along. If you see a vision and you have a vision and you know the vision works, and everything seems to be working, there's no reason to drag people that don't want to run with you. Find the people that want to run with you and support them more, and you're going to see more success. If you try to drag people to success, even when they get to the next level of success, they're not going to appreciate it. They're going to want you to do it more. They need to be engaged in doing it themselves, and that's where we find ourselves going is leaning into those people and creating a program that we would still a loyalty program, but still something that says, if you're running with us using all of our products exclusively, let me pour more money and time and resources into you. Right. Because you, you know where the ROI is. It's very clear right there. It's so clear. You can truly see that it's like, i put this much money in and their growth goes like this. And okay, let's keep on funding that. Let's keep doing that. Great. You know, Brett, this has been great. This is such great advice for anybody who's selling through distribution to think about how they can change the model. And it's not just providing a product to the marketplace and hoping that the distributors can fulfill demand out there, but really driving that demand and pulling it through and then focusing on the top distributors and tiering them like you talk about. That's really, really great advice. Really appreciate your coming on the podcast to share that with us. Well, I appreciate being here. It's uh, Hopefully it helps a couple people, just not my competitors. <laughs> we'll, we'll block them somehow. I'm sure there's a technological way we can do that. But for those of you who are not Brett's competitors, I'd like to remind you that you can find every episode of the Make It, Move It, Sell It podcast at spiro.i backslash podcast. And, uh, you know, if you liked uh, the advice that Brett was giving you today, maybe give us a nice rating. I don't know, Brett, do you think people should do that? 100%. Let's get a good rating there. Please do. Please, please subscribe. Tell all of your friends. Uh, and don't forget to protect your car against all of the terrible elements that are there in the world with the Ceramic Pro solutions. Brett, I really appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for joining in. This has been a great episode of the Make It, Move It, Sell It podcast. And we look forward to speaking to you soon. 